Hello, everybody. I want to welcome you to another episode of the podcast, I'm Not Broken. I'm your host, RJ. Um, I had a whole different uh, podcast plan for today. Uh, I, I know it's been a couple of weeks since my last one. It, you know, it kind of sounds like confession. You know, it's been so many long before. But um, I plan on doing a whole different kind of episode. But then, uh, once again, I'm, I'm getting some emails um, that want me to explain uh, how a negative uh, recovery or a not so good recovery uh, was uh, detrimental uh, in my past because, like I said, I've been in recovery for, oh, I, I don't know, 30-something years, something like that, maybe even longer than that, but I started working a really good recovery, as I said, uh, August 8th of this year would be 21 years. Um, I, uh, I work a happy, joyous, and free one uh, today. That's how I live today. Um, like I said, I, I really, I really felt that what I'm doing now uh, is achieving that goal that I've had for 30 plus years of happy, joyous, and free. When I first heard that in one of my first meetings ever, uh, in in recovery. Um, but like I said, I, I bet when I was sitting on my bunk in prison, getting ready to start my sentences, when I decided that it would be a good a good time now to try a good, honest recovery and, and completely be honest with myself and uh, selfish with myself and uh, get this ball rolling so I can live uh, happy, joyous, and free. Um, if I go back to not working a good recovery, um, I, I would have to go all the way back to when I went to my first rehab and I, I think I was like 17, 17 and a half, something like that. My parents, uh, when I approached my mother, my parents came up with an idea that they'll use the most uh, commercialized, um, the commercials were everywhere at the time. I'm not going to say what the rehab was. I don't know if it's still in existence or not, but mine was a juvenile um, adolescent rehab. Um, and at the time, their insurance um, didn't cover more than three and a half weeks. So if you want to know what a, 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 a not-so-good recovery, that's a good start. Uh, three and a half weeks is not even, in my experience, not even a part to win. I mean, it's, it's literally nothing. Um I did my three and a half weeks in there, and if the opportunity for me to do some meth when I got out that very second, I would have done it with no hesitation. Um, the fact that it took me about a week, um, that was more or less a convenience. Um, I got out of that rehab in three and a half weeks, and, and, and the rehab I was in, um, it was even failed. It was going to fail from the start anyways, not because of just three and a half weeks, um, which is a very, very short time. If you're going to go into recovery, which I suggest anybody who has a lengthy uh, addiction should, um, at least into a program, uh, you know, three and a half weeks uh, was nowhere near enough. But also the program catered uh, to to the addicts. Uh, It it had a philosophy of drugs to get off drugs. I don't believe that. Um, It had a philosophy of let these kids do whatever they want um, because they're, they're kids and they need coddled. The last thing you can do to an addict is coddle them um, because they will, I know I would, uh, find any way to manipulate the people coddling me to get what I wanted. And that's to not be addicted or not get, uh, you know, get what I want but still be able to do the things that I want. But they gave us a menu. We decided what we wanted to eat. Um, and so that was kind of a restaurant scenario, not this is what you're going to eat, and you're going to like it no matter what. No. Uh, 
when I was in there, we even got second place in the Alcoholics Olympics. I mean, we played a lot of volleyball. I don't remember a lot of, I mean, we did do some meetings, but I don't remember a lot of treatment as far as uh, when I talk about a good recovery, it's you get your everything, your mind, body, and soul, everything has to be treated when you're in recovery. Um, because, like I said, you you could be, uh, take the drugs away from an addict, you still got the addict tendency. Like last uh, episode, we were talking about bad habits and bad traits and stuff like that, and, and you could take away the addiction. And, and you might not never work, use drugs again, but you're not going to be happy, joyous, and free because you're still going to be under that prison of your attitude and your, your habits and your traits, the way that you accumulated them. You brought some into your addiction. Your addiction either amplified them, and your addiction created some more. Um, that's what a complete recovery is. And in that in that scenario, it wasn't. Like I said, it, it, the second I got out, some, if one of my friends came over and said, I got the meth, I would have had that night. No problem. Um, now, I was interested in a girl before I went into this uh, rehab. And when I got out, she invited me over to her house. Um, and I thought, well, okay, this is probably it. And she did use drugs, and she, she said, I, I was, she told me that she was thinking about getting off, and then she just wanted to know how what my experience was with my coach in rehab. And so I said, okay. And to me, it was just a way to hook up with a girl. And I went over there, and it, actually, it wasn't a hookup. It was a setup. Um, now, when I went into treatment, I told my mom and dad that I had the problem. I didn't bring anybody else into this scenario. I didn't mention anybody in my friends. I didn't mention I didn't mention anything. I just said myself. Now, through finding things out, I I found out that my friends' parents um, they did tell their parents that you know I was going into rehab and you know and they didn't know what to do. I didn't. You know, they, they did their thing, but the parents knew better that their kids were on drugs. So what they did was is they said that I told my mom everybody that was doing drugs and that I copped everybody out, which totally wasn't the case. I, I never I never said anything about anything to anybody. But what happened was is that these parents who were desperate, I don't blame them for doing what they did. I don't. Um, I, 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 I hate the fact that it was me because here's the rest of the story. Um, but let me tell the rest of the story. So I was at this house, and she invited me into this bedroom. Her parents were talking. And she said, uh, you'll have to excuse me. And I, I, I don't know. She said something about, I don't know, freshen up, figure something out. So <clears throat> I was sitting there, and four of my friends walked into this room. Um, they were friends when I went in. Um, they definitely were not friends when they walked into room, they proceeded to um, harass me up saying that, you know, I copped them out and I did this, and uh, some of them, the parents called the police, and some of them did this, and that, and I, listen, I never said anything to anybody, but it seemed like they weren't having it, and the scenario seemed so much different, um, and now that I, I, I'm remembering this story, I look back at it. And I remember them going in and out of the hallway, and I could hear whispering, and I heard some things. And now that I look back at it and know what some of them did later in life, um, I, I, I'm pretty sure that they were deciding if I was going to 
exit that room walking out or, or they were going to carry me out and, and kill me. Um, two of them ended up pulling off a, a robbery downstairs that they beat they beat someone up really, really bad. And another one actually murdered somebody. And that was later down the road, but you could have seen what it was like that night. And I watch a lot of true crime, and it almost, it, to me, I'm pretty sure that they were at the point deciding what they were going to do. And this is a good example of not working with people. If I worked a good, honest recovery and I was in a long-term program and I had the right resources when I got out, I would have never even gone over there. I would have never even, nothing. But because I didn't and I wasn't working a good recovery like an idiot, I was there. And I'm lucky to be talking to you all today because I, I keep processing and going through my mind, going back then to see if I did I forget anything about that story or anything like that. And and I think, okay, I remember when they were in the hallway, and you know what? It, it, they were deciding if I was going to die or not. And um, that is, I would have, like I said, never been in that situation if it wasn't for the fact I was working a horrible recovery. Um, now, down the road, um, now I came from this rehab. I have some knowledge of meetings and this and that and what you know what to do what not to do and down the, down the, I, I ended up meeting my first wife um, I wasn't I, I wasn't 18 yet she was I think 17 so um, but we started dating and then as we got serious um, you know I was using drugs then and you know I was drinking some weird thing is, is she didn't do any of those things. And she smoked. I, I just didn't realize that she was a serial relationship person, which means that I think she's on her fourth or fifth husband now. Um, but I, <clears throat> I, she eventually became the mother of my firstborn. And if I was working a good recovery, we probably would still been together. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But I know my part in the relationship would, wouldn't have been what it was. I abused her husband, and I wasn't that good of a husband. I wasn't that good of a father. Um, you know, her faults are her faults. I'm not going to bring that into it. It does take two to usually end a relationship under certain circumstances and so on and such. But in our situation, it was two. Um, but, you know, that's another example of not working a good recovery. And I was married twice. That's another example of not a good recovery. I, I had a long-term relationship that produced a child um, for three years with a, with another woman, and if it wasn't for the addiction, you know, and, and not if I wasn't working a good recovery, there's another relationship gone, another kid, you know, that's that's going to be become a part-time parent. And I said I think earlier in the episode that I, I only have a relationship with, with one of my biological children as it stands now, and the other two I, I I've worked on it, but it's a long story. And I, I've already apologized for my part of it, which I am, I am at fault uh, for my part. But And that's another example of not a good recovery. Um, but anyway, I was dating, I was just dating my first wife at the time. And I just turned 18 in August. And it was October, it was Halloween. And I had this whole thing planned with my, my little brother. I went out and got some movies. I, I'm, some of you might not know what a VHS tape was or is. I went to a local video store and got rented some movies, Halloween and some other scary movies. And I had a whole plan for me and my brother, just a 
my parents were out of town. My grandmother was kind of staying with us. So she was kind of looking over it, you know. And uh, if I was working a really good recovery, I, I that's where I would have been that night with my brother. And I did. I get a phone call. Friends were partying down at the river bottom. And I said, oh, I, I, I got to go. Once again, if I was working a good recovery, <laughs> I wouldn't have went. But I went ahead. I, I swiped the bottle of Jack out of the cabinet. Why that bottle of Jack was there, I have no idea. My parents didn't drink. Um, so um, why it was there, I don't know. <laughs> I just grabbed it and left and went down the river bottom where a lot of people went. I proceeded to pretty much drink that Jack myself. And um, the party was over, and I, I left the party. Now, here's another thing. I drove there. If I was working at Dead Recovery, I wouldn't have, first of all, I wouldn't have gone there. Second of all, I wouldn't have been drinking. Third of all, I wouldn't have been drinking and driving. But I did. And I was driving home, and I could feel myself swerving. But I knew I had to go get a pack of cigarettes because I was out of gas. So I went to a local store that wasn't too far from my house. And I went in, got a pack of cigarettes, and came back out. I, I was wasted. But as I was walking out, I saw another friend of mine who him and his group of friends, um, they were what we called the junkie party. They dropped acid, did all this other stuff. Most of my friends I hung out with, we didn't drink those things. Mushrooms, none of that. Acid, none of that. None of that stuff. Heroin. Um, and, and that's the sickness of being addicts is that you look down on them, and I was like, well, that's where we were drunkard. When, in fact, you're, you're all messed up. You're all addicts, man. It doesn't matter what you take it. You're an addict. You know, your life is out of control because of something that's controlling you. You are no longer doing drugs. Drugs are doing you. So, but anyways, I was walking out, and I could clearly see that him and his friends were definitely tripping. Um. But when I walked out, he approached me, and he he said some weird things like I was a spy or something. I, I forget what it was. And he spit on me. And I pushed him back. And I realized that when I did that, um, the six or seven other friends that were there, um, clearly all of them are acid heads. Uh, this was not going to go my way whatsoever. Um, so what I did is I got in my truck. I drove out. And I, I hear things hitting my truck. Figured are throwing stuff at my truck. Well, the one friend, he jumped over a hedge. I went out another exit, and I ended up running him over. I remember him flying on the hood, and um, it was almost movie dramatic for me in a way. Um, I backed up, and at this time I looked over, and I could see that they were all rushing towards me, so I decided to leave. Now, my intention was to leave the situation. Um, his intention when he called the cops, or when they, whoever called the cops, um, was that I was trying to run him over again. And I clearly wasn't trying to do that. I was trying to get out of there. And as I was leaving, I guess somebody else that was clearly not part of the situation saw what happened, and he was trying to chase me. Um, I thought it was them. So we're going down one of our main streets, the desert, and we're banging vehicles. Like, I, I, I'm going to say movie quality, because, I mean, he was trying to run me off the road, I was trying to run him off the road, and but anyways, I, he gave up at that time, and I went down one of my side streets, and there's these big dips on this one street. I hit a dip real hard, and my truck stopped moving. Um, the motor was running. First time I hit my gas. Now, it was an older truck. It was like a 73 or 75 Ford Courier. A little tiny. Um, I think they call them a Ranger now. Um, but um, it's a little truck, and what I didn't realize at the time was the linkage. There was nothing uh, electronic back then. Literally, physically, a linkage from the, the metal carburetor. 
and that broke, and I didn't know that at the time. But I got out of the truck, ran over. Uh, I was close enough to the house I could run to my, my house. And my grandmother, nobody answered the door. Went across the street. My neighbors weren't there. Smashed their window. Went in, and I literally was going to call the cops. I was in the process of calling the cops. But I didn't know the cops were that close behind me. They heard the window smash. Needless to say, I was arrested in the house, in my neighbor's house. Pulled me out to the front yard. They took me to jail. Um, then I realized um, when I got arraigned um, that I was looking at a lot, a lot of charges. I had a, a, a lot of charges. Um, it, this was the first time I've ever been arrested. Um, my parents, uh, my mom especially, she thought it would be a good idea um, that I think that she thought that I've learned enough lesson here, you know, um, that she's going to hire me Probably the best thing would have been at the time was just let me go through with, with a public defender. Um, because, once again, not working a good recovery, um, it didn't matter what, what happened. But we'll get, I'll get to the rest of the story. But um, needless to say, we went in. Uh, obviously, I was charged with the I, – I actually, when I was being charged, I was like, do they even have the right guy? I mean, I, I did a couple of things, but not – I think I was charged with 20, 20 different um, but I had a good lawyer. He got it down to a misdemeanor assault and uh, a DUI. And I uh, I ended up getting, uh, I believe it was six months of weekends and county jail. Which means on a Friday at, I believe, 6 o'clock on a Friday night, I went down, reported to the jail, and I stayed there till I think, 6 o'clock or 7 a.m. afternoon. And... Uh, I did that for about two or three weekends, and then I qualified for work release, which means it extended my time. I had to do weekends for a year, but I went home every day, and I literally was only five minutes away from my house working at a local park, um, which was okay at the time because when I was all done after being there a year, they offered me a job, which didn't pay enough. Um, I, you know, and I look back in retrospect, maybe I should have took it. I don't know. Anyway, I didn't, but uh, but I did weekends for a year, so I literally didn't have a day off for a year. So, um, and and that, like I said, is that's the ninety-five percent my fault, because why? I was not working a good recovery. Um, I did I did my time, I did my weekends. Um, I had to go to out, you know, DUI class, which they let you know um, how many drinks did you have. Oh, it was a bottle of Jack. I don't know, and they determine was this many drinks and this is what you had to pay so your drinks costed a thousand dollars each and all that and i'm like okay i just don't see it i don't see it and that's the thing about not working with good recovery on the weekends after i'd get off from work release for getting a dui simple assault misdemeanor assault we would all go to this one park afterwards not the park i worked at but another one and we drink beer and i drove <laughs> so look at that not working a good recovery, I was I put myself in these situations. I and it just proceeded from then on. You know, I, I was in and out of trouble. I I've been arrested a couple of times. I've uh, been through numerous relationships. I went through my first marriage. I went through my second marriage, um, and then a long term relationship. A couple, bunch of broken little relationships in there. And um, I was just a 
pitiful, miserable wreck. I, I barely got to see my kids, and child support took nearly all my paycheck, and I, um, life just was not happy, joyous, and free whatsoever because I wasn't working that good, honest recovery like I am today. Um, I, I, the numerous other things that, that went on in my life, I, um, it, things went on, uh, needless to say, down to my, um, and, and that's the thing, my second marriage, um, well, my first marriage even, I wouldn't ever, I, I don't know if I would have got married or not, but, you know, I wasn't thinking straight. Um, my second marriage, I definitely wasn't thinking straight. There was no reason for her and I to ever get married. Um, we just, we, we, I remember we took my son back home to San Diego, and we were driving back, and it was a spur of the moment thing that we went and got married. And the second night, and, and we, now we did stop and have some drinks, and so that was another factor, but, you know, that's still 95%, my fault, because um, I wasn't working that recovery. Um, but we, you know, we, we got married, got divorced, um, and then I, you know, I had a, my latest relationship. And then uh, in August of 2008, um, I was, you know, I was drinking the night, that night, but I, I wasn't drinking heavy. So when I say that, um, you know, you, you can take away all that addiction, all that, that practicing addiction, and, and, and if you haven't worked a good, good recovery and worked on everything, the addict and the, and the, and the alcoholic or whatever is still there. Um, you still have all that. You, you think that it's less because you're feeling a little bit good, feeling like high, feeling drunk. It's not. It's 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 even more amplified when you do those things. Um, but what happened was, is uh, earlier in the day there was some people making fun of some other people. They, um, you know, I, I kind of made a stand and said, "Listen, don't do that, and this and that," and everything seemed to be copacetic there. And then um, later on the day, I was. And this was a girl I was kind of seeing at some different apartments. And um, we were having this big Sunday barbecue thing and, and some other friends. Well, there was a, a another guy um, that lived in the complex who was, believe it or not, a wanted youth. The police were looking for him. Um, because, and it was all has to do with drugs, of course. Um, but he came over to my buddy's house, apartment, and he was begging for money because he needed a fix and this, that, and the other thing. And, um, you know, I... I I had a good job at the time, and I, I said, listen, here, 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 here's, here's some money. Get out of here. Just get out of here and go do your thing and stop, you know, stop hanging out, stop making my buddies look bad and everything like that. So, um, so anyways, he, he, he left. And then, um, and now, the apartment that he lived in um, with, with a, a girlfriend or whatever she was was right next to the apartment of the girl I was seeing. So I walked from one end of the complex over to the other, to her apartment, to, to literally grab some ketchup. And as I was walking to her apartment, this, this guy, he poked his head out and said, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? And I said, sure. And so I went over there, and the guy really got in my face and threatened me. And he said, you know, how dare you treat me like that? And, you know, and I said, listen, man, you're the guy that's, that, that's out of control and this and that. We exchanged words. And... Because now I have wasn't working a good recovery, and now I have anger issues with this guy. I went to her apartment, and I knew she had a gun. And I grabbed that gun, and I emptied the clip. I reloaded the clip, and I went over there, and I said, I'm going to give this guy the scare of his life. 
knocked on the door, pointed that gun at him, walked right into the apartment, threatened him, and, and I, maybe I could scare this guy straight. What I didn't know is there was somebody else in the apartment that he jumped out a window, went to his other apartment, called the police department, and this is what he said. There is a guy shooting up the complex. Can you get over there? There wasn't even any bullets in the gun. <laughs> I, and, but I, I thought I got through to this guy. I thought I scared him enough. I walked out of the apartment. I, I was on my way over to a buddy's place, and they said, hey, there's a bunch of cops out here looking for you. Handed my buddy this gun. I walked out. I could see the guy that I pointed the gun at was in the back seat of the car, the squad car. And the, the, the officers actually, at the time, were, I was calm. They were asking me certain things. I was telling them, nah, I don't know what you're talking about. And they actually lit my cigarette, and I was talking to them. But when they ran my history, and they saw back when I was 18, um, they, uh, and this was uh, August of 2000, they, um, they saw that I had an assault in, the, in my past, and now, all of a sudden, I'm cuffed up. They arrested me. And they put me in the back seat with this guy and left us. And I'm thinking, how can this guy be a victim? When I'm, I'm in the back seat of this car, yeah, we might be cuffed up. But I'm in the back seat of this car, and they left us alone. And I, I finally realized, okay, I'm, I, you know what? I'm just going to shut up. And, I, and, I, and that's when I thought to myself, guess what, man? You know, if you weren't doing this, you weren't doing that, you weren't doing this, you weren't doing that, and if you were 95% less irresponsible, you would be sitting in the back of this car. Period. Which now that I look back is, if I was working a damn good recovery, I would be in the back of this car. So anyways, they took us down to the, the, the police department, and uh, they, they got us in separate rooms. And I just, I didn't say anything. I was just denying everything. And I could hear the other guy. Now, 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 get this, man. He's a wanted fugitive. And he's talking about what I did. He says I, I, I busted in, looking for drugs and money and this and that. And that. I wouldn't do any of those things. But needless to say, they came in and they said, we're going to go ahead and do this, this, and this. And we'll lock you up. And I said, okay. And I said, all right. Well, I've got to figure out what I'm going to do. The next day, I went into court. And when they read the charges, once again, I was like, are you kidding me? I don't, are you sure you got this, the right guy? And um, needless to say, uh, they gave me a public defender. And, um, and you know, I, I really feel that my higher power worked um, in my life at that time because, uh, you know, I, when, I, when I went in, uh, and, and they charged me, and they did this, they did that. The the what I I, I did I got a, a a state attorney to come in with me. It wasn't just a regular public defender, and actually the, the lawyer that did it, I, I I knew who he was. I knew his reputation. He was fairly good, and he walked in and he said to me, he says, "Listen, if you don't sign this, um, you're looking at um, probably 15 years, 17 years, somewhere in there." And I I looked at it and I said, "Wait a minute." How come I have so much time? How come I got this? How come I got that? He said, well, it's because of your previous felonies. I said, I don't have a previous felony. I said, 
I have a misdemeanor assault and I have a misdemeanor DUI. Well, at the time, uh, I don't know if the laws are different now, but at the time he was telling me that uh, they can take two previous misdemeanors that I've already been convicted of and served time for, they can combine them and make it a felony, make it a strike. So that gave me, uh, they offered me uh, three years at 85%. And I thought, yeah, man, that isn't right. But I also thought, well, you know, once again, if, you, if you're working a good recovery, man, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here. Um, so I was pretty much beat up at the time. I, I just, I said, you know, I've, I've had enough. And I, um, I, I went ahead and signed the agreement, uh, the, the plea deal, and um, it was all a done deal. And um, the next day, uh, I think I know. I think I was actually in there for a couple days, and you know, and, and when they take you up the chain for prison from county jail, um, they don't do it at a convenient hour. They do it in the middle of the night. I believe it was one in the one in the morning or something like that. And, and the weird part was is that when I left uh, the desert for 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 my prison I was going to go to get classified. Um, the days were about 100 degrees. Um, when I got my first day before they took me, it was snowing. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it, it's just a whole odd experience. Um, and I went to a prison in the mountains um, to, cla- to get classification. And but and that's where, um, like I said, when, I, when they first put me uh, in a cell um, and I was on the bunk, and that's when I, my whole good, honest recovery started. Was I, I, I looked around and I see these gray little walls, this tiny little cell, this little sliver of a window, little metal table, and the, the stainless steel sink attached to the toilet. I thought, you know, uh, if you're ever gonna, if you're ever gonna work a good recovery, it's gonna have to start now, because this isn't working for you. Because they, they have a saying in the program of uh, jails, institutions, and death, and I've done two out of three, and I, I'm not really looking for the third one, you know, and, and I've come close to that third one, but um, I, I just don't want to, I don't want to do it again, I, I, and that's when I made the conscious decision to say, you know, I'm, I'm not going to work somebody else's program, I'm not going to work another program's program, I've been through enough programs to know what worked and what didn't work, because um, there was periods of time that I'd go six, seven, I think a year without doing anything, and I, um, I, you know, I had to go back and, and, and do that, look back and say, hey, what were those, what, what was I doing at that time that it worked, you know, and um, that's what I ended up having to do is, you know, sitting on that bunk, just beginning my prison sentence, um, that's when I made the conscious decision, and I, I think, I believe I've said that before in these episodes, but, uh, you know, the thing is about working a good, honest recovery next to working a not-so-good recovery is uh, I keep talking about the byproducts, side effects, autopilot, all that. Um, you clearly can tell when you're not working a good program because the side effects and the by- byproducts are still negative. Um, no one wants to still be around you because you're, you could, like I said, you could take away the drugs and alcohol or the gambling, whatever you're addicted to. And if you still have the same temperament, same attitude, um, no one wants to be around you because you're just not using it, um, and that's that's how a lot of people. When I wasn't working that good recovery, that's how people were. You know, my parents threw money at me just to 
way. Um, and I don't blame them. I don't blame anybody. Um, I don't, I, I, you know, I, like I said, when you make that decision that, that 95% of the shit that happened in your life is your fault, that's a good, good beginning. Um, because, you know, I, and that's the funny thing with me is, is most of my life, I never ended on anything else. I would say, ah, you know, my marriage has ended, another marriage has ended, and I can't see my kid, and, and you know, and I, you know, I'd say, well, it's all her fault. She decided to cheat on me, and this and that, and the other thing, and, and you know, and, and, and that's the thing about a relationship. She might cheat sexually. I was cheating with drugs. You know, I was cheating with, I was cheating with this. It's, 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 it's all being deceitful, you know, and I, it's just even like the relationship with my kids is, the, my, my firstborn, we have a great relationship. I, you know, I, I, I call him or text him and I say, hey, son, I'm really proud of you. You know, I just was thinking about you today and he does that and, and we, we got the same interests as far as horror movies and sci-fi and, um, you know, some conspiracy things we talk about, and, you know, UFOs and ghosts and, um, you know, and, and I love the relationship him and I have and, and I love his wife and, 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 and I have kids from my marriage to my wife now that, um, they're her kids, and, and, and they're my kids, as far as I'm concerned, and, and their kids, their, their kids, my grandkids, they're my grandkids. And, um, you know, I, if I wasn't working the, the recovery I'm working today, that would never be. Um, nobody would want to be around me, because I'd still be the asshole. I just hate you. And, and that's, not, that's not what you want to be. I mean, the other things to negative uh, recovery... Um, you know, there, there's there's so many to list that, that there's so many little instances of uh, you know I my anger was was one of the biggest things uh, when I wasn't working recovery. Now you know when I get angry, uh, it's a lot less intensified uh, as far as because I, I, I take that s- step back. Um, a good example of, of not working a good recovery. I'll, I'll give you an example. I, I I don't even think I was even drinking or using anything for like a year. This and I was working on this fence. And I was putting these panels, and nothing was was going right. And I, I bought this, and I, I thought I was doing so good because I bought this new truck. And I had it parked right next to me because I had my tools in it. I was doing it. I got mad. I threw that hammer down, and next thing I know, I got a dent in this new truck. And I'm like, you know, I look back today, and I go, if I was working that good recovery, I wouldn't have been like that, man. I wouldn't have been like that. And today, you're not going to see a dip on my car or truck from something that I did uh, uh, because I didn't work a good recovery program or I didn't work on my temper or my attitude. Or, you know, I just like today, people look at me and, and I shake their hand, I look them in the eye and they, they believe what I say. At work, they believe what I say because I've got the knowledge. I'm not just talking out of my ass. You know, I've been in construction and, and heavy equipment all my life. And I'm not talking out my ass, and they believe what I say, and, and, and I don't do them dirty. I don't, you know, when you're on drugs or, you know, your addiction, you're, you, you boast yourself to be bigger than you are, and the bottom line is you're always broke because you have no money because you're spending it all on your dope, is what you want to make everybody think of you, you know. But when I look at people now and I shake their hand, they believe in what I do and say. They believe in that handshake. It's, to them, it, that's a signed contract. Um, back in the day, not working a good recovery, no one believed what I said. You know, no, everybody walked on pins and needles when I was over. Nobody wanted to invite me to family functions. You know, I mean, a lot of my family hadn't seen me the whole time I was in prison. And, 
but they knew I was working with this program. And when I got out, my aunt, um, rest her soul, she since passed. She passed prematurely, and I oh, I miss her so much. Um, she would have these functions every Christmas at her house. And, oh, I miss those functions so much. But she'd have these functions, Christmas functions, where the family was all together. And, everything. and a lot of families like, oh, oh, is he not prison? Now, didn't he just get out of prison? Should we be, should we be afraid? And, and, you know, when I got there, she pulled me aside, and I got all her down. She says, listen, I don't care what you've done. I don't care whatever has happened in the past. Mom and everybody says that you're a different person now, and that's how I have faith in that. And you are always welcome in my house, no matter what. And I, I thought, you know, she's saying that because she knows. And she can probably see it. And, and I think my parents, when they trusted me in prison, they saw it that I was working a, a, a good recovery. Now, don't get me wrong. I had to do things in prison I'm not happy about. And I, I'm going to share that. Um, I, in prison, um, it's very uh, segregated in a way. Um, in prison, you can't, uh, uh, let's just be realistic. White people cannot bunk with black people. Which being bunk is when you're, I was in a level two and we were in a dorm. Um, so it was an open format, and we had these cubicles, and in the cubicles had a, five five sets of bunks, which everybody knows what a bunk is. Now, the cubicle was well balanced. They would have, you know, Asians and, and uh, Latinos and, 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 and uh, uh, African Americans and, 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 and Amer- white guys, whatever you want to call them. But the, the thing is, is that whites and blacks cannot bunk. In a, in a bunk bed. Uh, Latinos and blacks can. Asians and blacks can. Whites and Latinos can. So it's it's very segregated in a way. And when I worked the kitchen, which I hated, but I worked the kitchen, um, I was called, we were called linebackers, which we kept the, the trays full of food uh, when they were dishing it out, the, the, the steam table. We kept all the stuff in, in there. And I got really close to another... A, a fellow inmate who happened to be black and we became really good friends and <coughs> we fo- still followed the rules of prison um, we weren't supposed to you know drink from the same glass or smoke from the same cigarette or anything like that um, but me and, me and my friend we would sit there we'd watch some television sitting there in the, in the, the day area watching TV and just talk you know because we worked together all the time and he was an interesting human being and um, this one youngster came in there, and he um, he wanted to make a name for himself, I take it. And so he confronted me about my friendship with a, a fellow linebacker uh, in, in there. And um, and I said, listen, Junior, um, you got no business talking to me about any of this shit. Want you, and I'm going to be really frank. This is why I tell him. I said, leave me the fuck alone. And he wouldn't leave me. Buck alone. And so, and don't get me wrong, I'm not proud about this, but it came to a point where the shot caller said, the two of you need to go down in a cube and handle your business. Okay, well, we did. And I am not proud of what I did. Um, but, and I'm not going to fully say what I did. Let's put it this way. He was in his bunk for two days after I was done. And I wasn't proud of it. I was a little nervous because I, 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 I felt like I couldn't stop. 
because I, you know, I, I just didn't want people to tell me how to live my life. You know what I mean? And that was it. I wasn't bothered by this kid again, and um, I, I don't even, I, I don't, even, I think he got transferred out. I, I don't remember what happened to this kid, but um, needless to say, I wasn't allowed to anybody tell me who the hell I could hang out with. You know, and and, and I bucked some of the prison rules that way, and and I, you know, and I, that's some of the things about prison. I, that's why I, I don't ever want to go back. That's why I, I got to work with the recovery. I, I didn't want to be there. You know, like I said, I was never afraid in prison. It was the most boring uh, place to ever be. I, I, I couldn't read enough books. Um, I, I, I don't think I slept very much because I, I had to be up at one thirty. And, and people who don't work in the kitchen, they don't have no respect for you. They don't care if you get enough sleep. You know, I mean, Christmas time comes, you know you still got to go in that kitchen. Everybody's got days off from their work like normal people. And, um, but every time an incident like that happened, I always would look back lay on my bunk with my arms behind my head and just say, you know, you never have to come back here if you work a good, honest recovery. Never have to. So, and, you know, I survived it, got out, and never looked back. I, 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 I stepped out of that, let's see, I stepped out of there in, I believe it was September 21st of 2002. Uh, so yeah, I think it's yeah, I think it's 2002, and I literally, I think the only thing that's happened to me since I've been out is like, I got a speeding ticket, uh, in in, in Oregon, and I, if any of you live in California and go to Oregon for some reason, Oregon people do not really like California people, um. But I ended up getting a ticket. Circumstances of that are sketchy, but that's the only thing, you know, since I've been out. And that's because I worked at that good, honest recovery. And, and, and today, I'm happy twice a free. And, and for the people that emailed me and wanted to know what are some of the major things, and that's how this episode got spurred, was that I get emailed about what are some of the major things that happen to you not working a good recovery. And those are some of the main main ones. Um, but here's the cool thing about a bad recovery. When you're working a good recovery, that's part of your good recovery. It's not a bad thing. Because you could... I, I hold all those instances like little files that I can go back on. And I use it as reference. And I look back at those things and say, hey, you, know, you don't ever have to go through that again as long as you keep working the recovery you're working today. And that's, that's the whole thing is I don't look at, uh, and that's the thing about the byproducts of a good, good recovery is I automatically don't look at those things as negative uh, because I was working a bad recovery. I use my bad previous recovery for my new recovery, so therefore it's not even a bad thing. It's like I tell my, my relationship with my wife today, uh, it, it, like I've, I think I said it probably one of my first episodes. We have been together longer than my marriages and my long-term relationships put together. Why? Because I'm working a really good recovery. And I'm honest with her. And I, and, and I know she, in the times that we've got, you know, how did we ever get, and I tell her, listen, if it wasn't for every damn thing that happened in our lives, we wouldn't be together today. 
It's the same thing with going back and looking at those negative things that happened in my past that I don't look at negative anymore. I look at it as helping me in my recovery today. And that's what you have to do. It's like when I was at that one rehab based on a synodon program, which today is a death cult. Um, the one and one of the few things I took out of that was that I use a mirror in the morning and at night, like they gave me when they gave me that punishment, where I had to yell in the mirror for a half an hour every day in front of everybody that I'm too cool for school. It worked. That worked. So I, I took that from that program, which I said, when you work your own program, you take little pieces of things that work for you, you combine them together and make your own program. In the morning when I'm, I don't care if I'm shaving or just drying off, I look at myself and I say, today, today, let's try to be better than I was yesterday. And let's try to outdo ourselves possibly tomorrow, but we don't have that yet. But we do have yesterday that we can say, this went on, this went on, or nothing went on. And that's what I do. And I tell myself, no procrastinate, no more ouch today. Or, or let's, let's try to keep the anger down. Let's have a little bit more patience, a little tolerance, you know. And and at night, when I brush my, seat, my teeth before I go to bed, I look at myself and I say the same thing. Hey, this was a good day. This was successful. Or this was a rough day. I'm a little sore. My arms are kind of killing me. Like right now, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm going on 54, and I've had open-heart surgery, but I'm still at work. You know, they, they, someone decided to tear a bunch of drywall out of an apartment. Actually, all the drywall except for the ceiling. And I, I went in, and I haven't hung drywall in, oh, I don't know how long. But you know what? I might be sore, broken, and miserable in, as far as physical, you know. But I'll be darned, man. I, I still know how to do it. I didn't get angry at all doing it. And look at the outcome now. I'm going to be painting it this coming up week. Uh, look at the fact that I got a job. I mean, I... I never went too long without a job, even being uh, addicted. You know, I, I just never did. I, I, I've always worked. My dad taught me a really good work ethic since I was a kid. So I, I never go without work. Um, but I'm not fully effective, um, you know, being at work when I was under the influence or, or hungover or whatever you want to say, you know. And, um, and that's the cool thing. If I go to work the next day, it's, I, I might be sore. But it's not, it's not killing me. You know, it's not, I'm not doing that. I'm going to get an Oscar performance because, oh, my God, it's so hard. You know why? You know, and, and I never, you know, and you look, well, you know what? If you didn't, you know, it, 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 what do they call it? Brown bottle fever. <laughs> when people get hungover. And, and, and you know what's really funny about back in the day? Here's the funny thing. I would drink my hardest with my friends on a Sunday night. I don't know why. That Friday night, that Saturday night, but. For some reason, Saturday morning, all my buddies get together. Hey, let's have a big barbecue with this night. And all of a sudden, we end up drinking all summer, going to work with a hangover. And, you know, I don't even have to worry about any of those things. And that's the cool thing about work recovery. I work today doing what I did before. Uh, like I've, I've said, I, I've gone years. I mean, I five years without drinking or drugging, and, you know, a year here and a year there. And, 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 and I always went back one form or another. It's not happening now. It doesn't happen. You know, I'm working that really good recovery. And, you know, there's there's a lot of little stories. Like, I have the stories like anybody else as far as not working in recovery and how I could go a year and then all of a sudden 
something I do or say or says, ah, I, no, I just need to sit down and do this because, you know what, this will get my head out of here or put my head in a different place. And, you know, I, I, I take full enjoyment in everything now. It, it's like my parents are up here visiting us now, and, and they'll stay for three months. And, and they didn't come last year because of COVID. And it's really a joy to have them here, you know. I mean, and, and to have my, my parents, you know, even to the day they turn around and they say, you know, you're so much different than, than way back when. You know, we dabble in it every now and then, but it's it's all automatic now. They expect it. They expect, you know, they know for a fact I'm not going to be, you know, all jacked up, messed up and all that. And, you know, and, and that's the cool, the byproduct of a good, uh, you call it side effect, byproduct, whatever you want to call it. Um, after so long, your, your recovery just goes on. If it's a good recovery, it goes on automatically. It just does. Um, it's kind of like, you know, we have this car now that, you know, when I, I can hit this button, and it literally will drive down the freeway by itself. And that's kind of how it is, you know, today. I, I Like I said, I, I, I don't think about, even quitting cigarettes, I, I don't know, I'm on nine, ten years. I don't, I don't even know anymore. I don't even think about it anymore, you know. And that was harder than even quitting smoking. Smoking, quitting smoking was hard. Hardest thing I ever did. It really was. And I used a good recovery I did. I used the principles and stuff that I put in place on my own recovery for tobacco, and it got me off tobacco. And I mean, every now and again, someone will light a cigarette, and it does smell a little bit good. Um, but I know for a fact, I know, I can honestly say, I know for a fact, I will never take drugs again. I will never do uh, tobacco again. I'm. I might pop off a little anger here and there, but I'm not going to get the way I was where I would throw things or, you know, do stupid things or drive a little too fast or put someone off, you know. And, um, you know, I, I I can honestly say I, I'm never going to do those things again. Um, I, I just don't, I don't have a need to. I don't, you know, just like when people cut me off in the car now, I say it to myself. I say, you know what, asshole. Um, you go ahead. If you got to get to somewhere faster than me, obviously your life probably isn't all put together because I leave for work plenty enough time that I can take my old sweet time and you just go ahead and rush ahead, you know. And um, But every now and again, you know, I do deal with, seems like, more assholes than good holes. Um, but I just the other day, you know, I was I was getting a breakfast sandwich at a, at a Burger King next door. And, um, I'm not sponsored by them, but I'm just getting a breakfast sandwich and this lady was coming in and, and I said you know I can wait they, they, you go right ahead you know and I just gave her the right away and and we got through the line and I went to pay for my food and the lady in front of me bought my food you know I mean it's those those moments that you really say you know there is still hope man I don't know her circumstance I don't know anything like that I know at some of these coffee places you go in around Christmas time and oh that person bought yours pay it forward you know and and I'm usually the one that gets somebody that's ordered 12,000 drinks and, you know, and it's like, okay, all right. But, you know, it, it's all good because, you know, I can do it. You know, I mean, I, I don't want to pay for 12,000 drinks, but you know what I mean. But, you know, it's like yesterday. My wife and I were hanging out with my parents. We were down, we were eating by the water, having a good, good dinner. We walked around, we sat down by the water, looked at all the mountains and the people walking around. People are getting out and about. It was awesome. Um, you know, I can't, I, I just can't wait till this pandemic is 
fully over. And I mean, we've been going to Walmart. Oh, wait, well, I'm not gonna say I can't say. You know, I'm not sponsored by anybody. We're going to these big box stores, these little places, and I don't have to wear masks. It's awesome. Um, you know, I, 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 I just, I'm, I'm glad things are opening up. I, I also want to say that my heart goes out to people who either became newly addicted person or people who were in a recovery and lost it while on this pandemic, um, the people who committed suicide on this pandemic, um, you know, my heart goes out to them. Um, you know, as far as suicide goes, I, I, I'm just, I, I just, I, 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 you know, it's, it's, a, it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem, man. And, you know, if more people reached out um, and more people had that attitude of, I can talk to anybody, because sometimes it's not your family. Sometimes it's not your friends. Sometimes it's, sometimes it might even just be reaching out to a stranger. Um, but, you know, this pandemic really took toll on a lot of people, and, and uh, I'm glad it's, hopefully it's winding down. And, um, you know, I, I'm thankful that um, I don't, I don't think I personally know anybody that is a victim of it. I've known people that have had it. I think I had it. Before it was even a thing, um, I went to took a trip to and that's the cool thing is that um, I was able to pinpoint um, when I went to the doctors and say, you know, it's not a, it wasn't a splash of hangover and a little bit of this. It was, you know, this is how I feel, and this, you know, and, and uh, but um, but you know, I, my heart goes out to all these people, and I know that a lot of new addicts were um, created during this pandemic, and a lot of recovering addicts and alcoholics started practicing again and um you know you got to reach out you got to reach out to each other and email me and if i could whatever i could do for you whatever i could talk through uh i'm, I'm here um i i don't like i said i don't have any credentials i don't have any certificates licenses diplomas uh any of that stuff in, in recovery or, or counseling or anything like that i just been through a hell of a lot of self-induced misery uh, and now I'm I'm almost 21 years of self-induced happiness, happy, joyous, and free, and I, and I'm here to help. And and I'm gonna give you my email. Um, I I don't know if last episode I gave the wrong one. I'm not sure, but it's I'm not broken forever at outlook.com. And how it's it's I M N O T B R O K E N the number four E V E R at outlook.com. And I'm gonna say that again. I am. N O T B R O K E N, the number four, ever at outlook.com. And you guys can just keep emailing me and, and, and give me some emails. And, and thank you for listening. I see my numbers are going up a little bit. And, um, I'm not, you know, this feels good to do this, but it, it, you're going to find out it, it, in order to do a good recovery, helping is one of the best things. Um, being very, uh, being helpful and being, you know, uh, listening to people. You know, I come here and I, I, ramble on for an hour and um, but when I'm out in public and people have and, and I work with seniors and I listen to them and I, I, I don't I like to hear them and listen and and, and I, I want to if any youngsters are listening you know uh, young people I, I, everybody seems to be young to me because I'm in my 50s but um, if you ever get a chance to, to sit down with a senior take some time to sit down with a senior I, if it's your grandparents or if it's a neighbor or, or, or sit down they're some of the most interesting people. And if and, and I'll tell you, if you have a hard time budgeting your money, talk to a senior. They especially the seniors I work with, they they definitely know how to budget their money. 
Um, but it, it's all about getting out there and, and, and it'd be beneficial for them and be beneficial for you. And and, that, and, and that's the whole thing is getting out and, and, and walking up to somebody you don't know and say, hey, how you doing? Hi. You know, and, and, and there might be a small amount that say, no, I don't know, I have nothing to say. Fine. But most of the people are going to say hi back. And it's some of the best conversations, some of the best things I've ever experienced from people I didn't know. I just walked up to you and say, how you doing today? You know? Um, and hey, some of the best experiences of life. I walked up to some of the opposite section and said, how you doing? And, you know, it, it's, it's just like you got the love of your life. You didn't meet her because you, you were afraid. You walked up and you said, hey. Or, ladies, thank, thank you if you're bold that you walked up to a guy and said, hey, why don't you why don't we go on a date, you know? I mean, open up, people. You will experience things so much better and get and get out there and help one another. Please help one another. I think I've rambled enough. Um, I'm RJ. Um, I'm here for you. Be awesome humans that you are. And, and you know what? I, I, I'm i going to start saying I love you guys. I don't know y'all, but I, I love the feedback. and I, I Good or bad, I love it. Um, and... I'm sorry if I change episodes, but when I see a certain amount of, of emails of asking for one thing, I, I'm here for you. So I'm going to do that. So I hope you, everybody got something out of this episode, and um, hopefully I can get back to doing an episode a week. Um, I'm, I'm just really enjoying hanging out with my parents, and um, I might slack a little, and it might be every two weeks, but uh, I, I do miss it when I don't get it out once a week. But uh, be good humans. Uh, until next time, chiao. <laughs>